counted among the outlaws. He said, come, follow me. People from all walks of life since have been becoming outlaws. Welcome to Becoming Outlaws. I have a, a different one today, another movie. I'm excited to show you. Um, two guests. We have the director and the actress in it. It's a new art house movie called Pastor's Kid. And before we talk to them, let's watch a trailer. Karen, why are you being baptized here today? Because I love Jesus Christ. I just wanted to get away from everything. Then the other day we talked on the phone and it's like, it brings everything right back. And that little kid that took care of her when she was drunk out of her mind. I was a good Christian girl. Hey honey, I'm sorry. Well, I've lived a lot of what you're going through and I can tell you that it doesn't end well, but you were there. God, I knew we the mess. Please help me. <laughs> Where I was always like caring when I was seven. Yeah, I didn't get to have a childhood because you were always screwing around. So no, you don't get to act like you're a good parent. No, I'm not letting you do that. They may not have seen who you were, but I did. Being a pastor's kid and living the way that you do, how do you feel about God, Christianity? Or both, actually. My mom just invited me on a free church trip to Sri Lanka. Anyone in your position is going to take a minute to process that. And if you need to go on a trip with your mom, you owe it to yourself. Like, go. There's the trailer, and of course, if you're listening, you didn't see it, but you heard it. The director is Benjamin Ironside Coppin. He's award-winning director, cinematographer, and um, this film, by the way, is based on a true story, which we'll talk about. The actress is Courtney Bandigo, is an accomplished actress. She's notably, uh, she's known for playing the character Finch on the CW show Legacies, as well as other things, and like I said, is the lead in this, and I'm very happy to have them both on. Dude. Thanks for having Hi, us. Thanks for having us. We're excited. Yeah. Ben, my first question is um, your middle name. Where does that come from? Ironside. So we're a Scot Scottish family so that came from our clan. But have you ever heard of there was a theologian named H.A. Ironside or Henry I Ironside? I have not. Anyways, he has a ton of commentaries and things. He was notably uh, one of Billy Graham's uh, mentors back in the day. And wow. so um, they tell stories of how he would go into bars at like saloons and stuff back in the old days. And he'd play hymns in the bars to try to minister to people. And so um, that's where we get our Ironside name. And so even as we're making these uh, kind of raw, this more raw R-rated faith film, it's kind of doing something similar to what uh, what he would do back in the olden days is the way I see it. So Wow, Ironside. Yeah, I kind of thought that was made up a little bit. So what no. is Art House? What's an Art House film? We've been talking about that. That's kind of the, the Christian art house term is what we've been putting on pastor's kids simply because um, to try to help people not expect to go into a similar movie as a fireproof 
or a God's Not Dead. And that can be in the way we shot the film, very handheld, natural light, a little more gritty. Um, it's in the pacing of the movie where it's more of a day in the life of film. You know, it's not a traditional structure with plot moving everything forward. What we talk about is it's basically as if a documentary crew was dropped into the life of this woman for a handful of days. And we are watching traumas and triggers um, happen throughout her, her everyday life as things being brought up. And then the third thing I like to say is the movie's just a little weird in some ways is we just, we play with it being a little bit more artistic and expressing things, leaving questions instead of forcing ideas. Um, so that for us is what Christian art house means is it's just overall the pacing and tone of the film is different. And I think, when people go in with that mindset, we found that people really enjoy it. But when people go in expecting a Kirk Cameron type movie, um, yeah. that's not what this is. So we just are trying to make that clear ahead of time. Yeah. Courtney, what's the storyline for this? Um, well, it's I think it's, it's one spiritual journey of a uh, I don't want to give too much away. It's one sure. spiritual journey of, um, you know, a girl's lost her way running away. And then, you know, she, it's, it's, you know, and then a character who comes upon a crossroads and then has a decision to make. Mm. And then, um, and then that's, it, and that's really it. It's, uh, and then the thing about these little, these little films is um, I, I love that they can have, they can just say one very simple thing at the end. Um, and that, and yeah. then that's it. Yeah. When you're talking about um, what you're referring to, Ben, is like church movies, faith films, um, you consider it a Christian film. I consider, I look at it, it's an art film, but it's more like, um, I don't know if it's just a film about people and yep. people hurt and people struggle with faith. And um, sometimes yep. we just want to cosmetic up, you know, you can expect a f family film if you want, and that's nice. But sometimes when we use the word Christian. It's like, um, sometimes I think the church was like the first social media before where you go there and people would try to um act a, you know present a life that maybe yeah. isn't really at home like social media does right right no that's a really good point yeah where like this film is real it's what really people go through it's what parents deal with their teenage kids and then and um maybe be embarrassed to bring them to church or whatever this is just a real story to me and uh, it's more than a christian film it's just a film of about life that's what we've, we, it's been so hard to try to put it in a category because when you say the term Christian film, automatically you think faith and family. And I'll be honest with you, like we haven't gotten a ton of criticism, but that's been one of the criticisms just in random comments. We've only had a handful where they're like, you know, how, how can you be a Christian and make a film that I can't take my whole family to see was a comment. Yeah. And I, I flat out said like, you know, sadly, the majority of stories in our world are R-rated stories. I would say almost everybody's story is an R-rated story. And so mm -hmm. that's where it's been very interesting for us trying to coin this term of Christian art house. Um, it's just trying to differentiate ourselves a little bit. I think for so long, like even you're saying, faith and family, um, when it comes to media, have been paired together. And what we're kind of trying to do with, with this film is say, we can still have faith and family content, and that's great. But can we also have space for us to tell stories in an authentic, realistic way? Yeah. Um, and I think, thankfully, with with things like The Chosen and Jesus Revolution and Father Stu, if you've seen any of those, I feel like they're starting to push forward and push the boundaries a little bit. And ours, I hope, is the next step in some of that. Yeah, I would say if faith film is the big umbrella genre, um, 
I wonder if there can just be a, a branching off now that there's faith in family and those films are wonderful and, and, you know, they're popular for a reason. They do very well. And I think they accomplish um, many, many great things. And then, but I just feel like there's a whole facet of the community that's just unrepresented and unseen um, by the lack of this other branch of, Hey, I think there's space with uh, under the umbrella of faith film to say, Hey, there's these other stories that 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 can and and quite frankly should be told in in a more real way, in a more pragmatic way. Um, that really just the way I see it honors um, everybody's R-rated past. It doesn't glorify it, but if we want to celebrate who we are today, we have to incorporate who we were yesterday, and not to glorify it, but it just says, hey. Um, you you have so much permission to just own your life and that's and that's sort of you know my hope that you know if people leave this movie saying thinking one thing it's like hey it's okay for me to you know have lived a life you know well and ken what's so interesting too is as we've been showing the film around to different groups you know i thought in my head you know we're trying to make a film that can kind of bridge the gap right between um, maybe like a Christian uh, demographic and general audiences. We wanted to make a film that everyone could relate to or everyone could connect to. Um, and one that I, I wasn't expecting was uh, the film was screened to uh, a group of older uh, conservative Christian women in the Midwest. And, you know, we let them know ahead of time, hey, it's got language in it. It's got this in it. Like, this is why we did it. We made that clear. Um, and what was so cool is that the reviews we got back from that were basically these women saying like, I knew one of these people are in college or I experienced some of this in college or I went through this. And like you're saying is in the church, we put on this face, we put on this front mm -hmm. and, and, you know, you see, so you can be in the small group or you can be in this group and you never talk about who you were before you knew Christ or what you went through. And so that's where my hope is with this film that um, people, you know, even the conservative Christian women, people that wouldn't normally step into this, if they can go into it and say, God used this story, I can share my story now, or I can feel open mm -hmm. to share some of the things that I went through. And, you know, I just wasn't expecting that, honestly. When yeah, we and, you know, and I think that's quite beautiful. I mean, and can we really connect if we're all just pretending to be something, you know, or if, if we're, can we really connect in a real way if we're pretending or if we're, can we really connect in a real way if we're all living a watered down version of ourself and, and hiding really everything that makes us who we are? You know, mm, I sure. think there's, it's a deeper way to fellowship in that way. Yeah. Yeah, and we keep talking about the R-rated past. Well, it's a weird way to put our lives. We're rating it by a, a cinema system. Like when I right, used to live right. R-rated, X-rated, or, you know, now you become a believer. And I, I'm not living a G-rated life. I don't know exactly. if anybody else is, but uh, right. it's, you know, I think about other kind of movies that don't get pigeonholed, like great dramas about um, – people that happen to be Jewish or mm -hmm. stories that have a Mormon character in it. And they don't get categorized into a Jewish genre, mm -hmm. a Mormon <laughs> genre. But if there happens to be a Christian in it, we've got to put them in faith and film and then put all of those G rated criteria around yeah. it. Yeah. Or it's Ted Flanders from the Simpsons kind of character in the movies yeah. where yeah. it's, it's a ridicule Yep. and not real. Yep. And, and that's there are exactly Ted Flanders out there. Is like going into it too. Our intention was like how, do, and we try to express this to people, but that's where there's this little disconnect. Is we're like, it's if it's, it was a normal movie, just like a normal movie that you would see that talks about faith, and they're like, what? Yeah. And they're like, no, just like like just like a normal movie 
about faith and people were, were just having trouble connecting that a novel concept yeah. you know and it's so funny that you bring up um flanders from the simpsons just because <laughs> that's exactly what we try to not do is make these um one-dimensional archetypes yeah in yeah. the movie that you know everybody's very three-dimensional everybody's sort of you know because even if you want to brand somebody as a villain and you know put them in a box then they come out with out of left field you know not being that way which can be frustrating, yeah. <laughs> but you know, that's how life is, I think. And that whole expectation of, um, uh, of like the, it, it's not so much like, okay, so it's going to be a Christian film. There's got to be, you can't say this word or that word. I like to get back to the root of things and mm -hmm. like, um, one, nobody lives that way, but Jesus came for those that needed help. He didn't come for the healthy, you know, he's like, it's the sick that need a doctor. But then once we kind of go to church, we clean up nice and pretend nobody needs a doctor. Right. And um, everyone's broken in some way or another. Mm -hmm. And you don't get healing if you don't admit something's broken. Yeah. Right. And so well, I, I, en oh, I enjoy that about your movie. I mean, you're not going to come out jumping and skipping and that you just watched a Disney movie. But you felt like you're saying there's people that could relate is if it's not you, it's somebody. And at some level, it's everybody. Everybody struggles with something. Right. You know. Well, well that's. That, yeah. Oh, God. No, no, please. Go well, ahead. Well, that that's really beautiful that you said, because it's so funny you're saying that, because that, that was our, um, you know, we were hope what we wanted to do is we didn't want to tell. We, we didn't want to be prescriptive. You know, we didn't want at the end of the movie to say do this and x will happen because then it takes um a lot of the responsibility off of you know or no 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 then it takes away your your like power to make a decision for yourself mm. you know so really it's it's not it, you, you know i don't know if you're following <laughs> my yeah, phone for sure more. even you see so much christian content that beats people over the head with messaging and what they want it to be. And you need to do this thing. And that could either be, you know, through a political side or through a Christian side, but you see this stuff kind of forced on people. And so it starts to taste like, and I'm not saying all, but just some can sometimes taste like propaganda, like things are trying to be shoved down your throat. And we want to be very intentional about letting the audience draw their own conclusions from things and leaving space for questions, or even how you're talking about like, even if you didn't go through this exact thing, having enough space in the film that you could put your things into the film and kind of work through that a little bit, um, as opposed to it just being, you know, hey, this is exactly what to do. This is exactly what to believe. It's, you know, we're allowing space for the Holy Spirit to move and and work on some of those things. Yeah. And as far as Preacher's Kid, um, you're probably aware, but when I was doing a little homework on this while well, watching the movie and whatnot. I ran, ran across that Wikipedia actually has a page dedicated to uh, the preacher's kid syndrome. <laughs> really? Yeah. <clears throat> and it gives a historical thing about where the term comes from and what preacher's kid means. And it's anywhere, they say, anywhere from someone who's, it doesn't have to be a pastor. They had it as far as laity. Anyone who's like, really, if you're a kid that grew up with, parents that have responsibility in the church, yeah. you could fall under this syndrome. And then they explain it out, which is the pressure, mm -hmm. the pressure to do what we're talking about, to look and pr 
kind of pretend to be a certain way and look a certain way and talk a certain way. Mm-hmm. And with the struggles you're actually having in your own life, your own school, like every kid does, but you're really not allowed to show those or admit that you have them. Right. And they either, and one of the things is a super high rate. I, I think they gave a percentage, I don't know, of those that actually end up like what you're watching in the movie is people just going off the deep end. Yeah. Just totally religion out the window. Um, it's very and running, of, running, 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 and running, mm-hmm. running, running, running. You know. Well, that's just, just, oh, good. Sorry. Oh yeah, no, no. Just to finish the sentence, just running because you know you think that's easier. Yeah. Right. Well, and even it's so interesting you bring up that idea of of them not being able to share things or putting on this front because something even Courtney and I were talking about, and Courtney, you can express this a little bit more, was her just in her performance being intentional about around people. She presented one uh, one version of herself, and then when we're alone with her, she presents uh, another kind of aspect of her character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I mean. Level... Oh, please. I was going to say at some level, we, we still all do. Mm-hmm. You never shake that. Yeah. yeah, no, and I said that, so it's so funny that you pick up on this whole pretense that we that we feel like we need to put on and who it's just so funny i wonder who who decided that we should do that that pretend to be a thing that none of us actually are and why do we do that to ourselves because it really just isolates us um it's just so i've been thinking about that a lot lately the more we have these conversations and and then, yeah, Ben, to touch on what you were talking about, as I, I remember making a very clear, um, you know, as I was breaking down the script, a very, you know, technical in a technical way, um, saying, okay, this character, we never see her emotional around other people. It's always, it's just to really uh, illustrate how how many times do we are we a mess by ourselves, and then we step out and put on a happy face for the world. How many times do we do that? And then it's just, you know, we, and then as, on the other side of it, I, I hope it's just, we just, we can really understand that we don't know what somebody's dealing with. We don't know what somebody's carrying. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. this, this slice of life, uh, and Ben, I love that you did it this way, this slice of life. And so we get to see her um, do all of those things. We get to see her in these moments of privacy where she's by herself wrestling with these things and then and then around her friends um, as if nothing is going on. Courtney, when you studied and the script and tried to learn the character and what the character's feeling and did it ever move for you or even now is uh, or something engaged you a bit just being around that culture other than learning like, the Christian culture, did it impact you in any way that's oh, wow. changing for you as opposed to move on to the next script? And that was a role. No, no, no. It's so funny. You can't, you can't do something like this and not be changed. I think, you know, and I think that's the, one of the wonderful things about being an actor is you get to go into these worlds and evolve and grow. And, and it was in a way that I, I never really saw because, and I said this to you, Ben, eons ago that I said, you know, I, I came with a lot of cynicism and and i said you know if i'm going to play somebody who is devout but struggling i need to dismantle all of that and it was so easy to do and i'll tell this story and the big there were a lot of moments early on when i was um doing the research and getting to know the world and, and i went to mariner's church where ben um knows uh uh taylor who who this movie is based on um and just walking in for the first time and it's 1500 people 
on their feet to this glorious music. And it, I, I, I was so shocked. I wasn't expecting to be rocked to my core so deeply by that. And it was just, it was one of my biggest ways in was because it's just something that's irrefutable. And, and, you know, you just, that's something that experience you carry with you, you just can't not, you know, and then, you know, I'm still a fan of praise and worship music to this day. Um, it's, it's just beautiful just cause it, you know, it's art, it's people singing from the bottom of themselves in the name of Jesus Christ. And you just, yeah. it's just irrefutable is the word. You just can't deny it. It's, it's, it's truth. It's love. It's just this universal thing that we're all looking for. Mm-hmm. Every person, and I don't know where you're at, but I'll, I'll tell you that I did grow up in church and in that world around a lot of Ned Flanders, and um, and I was never a Ned Flanders. I'm still not a Ned Flanders, I hope, but at the same time, I never, if it was all about the upbringing I had in church, which was gr- fine, it had its benefits, I wouldn't be involved today or any interest at all. It's a nice place to be around, and you learn some things and meet some nice people, Um but really it's the reality of the faith being true and that you do find something there. Sometimes you sense it in worship, but if the message is impactful and life changing and um, the real disciples before the Ned Flanders church arose thousands of years later, they were, the main apostle was cursing in the new Testament. Some of the first disciples were prostitutes. I mean, they were not Ned Flanders. They were us. Mm-hmm. They, they were rough. They were blue collar. They were real people, just like your movie. If you showed the disciples unedited, just raw with a video camera, it would far surpass the edginess of your film. Right, right. No, I love that. That's even one thing is when people uh, talk about the language, I'm like, there's language in the Bible, guys. Some of the disciples like curse in the Bible. I know we don't have the exact word, but I'm just like, that's where it's you know, we're trying to show reality. And I think that for me, the conviction was one of my, I filmed my friend's story at Mariner's church and I had no idea that was her journey. Um, and then we sat down and we needed a video desperately for Easter. And so we sat her down and filmed her story and she'd been my friend for a year two years. And I, I filmed the story. And I'm like, Holy cow. I had no idea this was your story. And I remember editing it and just sobbing while I was editing it because I felt like it touched on so many aspects of like, we have all felt burned by a Christian or hurt by the church in some degree, in some way, you know, the idea of running from God and wanting to do my own thing. And then just the reality of God chasing after her. And what I love is her, like, and I don't want to spoil it too much, but if her spiritual moment, you know, she basically shares, shared this idea that, you know, I realized um, that God loved me so much. He would chase me halfway around the world to know I was loved. And so yeah. when I, we heard that story and we asked her if we could turn her story into a film to me, it felt dishonest to try to clean it up. It felt like we were uh, doing a disservice to the power of God stepping into the darkness for her. Um, and so that's where even with this R rating is we just felt very um, convicted to try to do this in the most honest and realistic way that we could. Gosh, and that still moves me. All these years later, it still moves me. That just because I love that we got to this, that um you don't have to be perfect and then are worthy of love mm. you are worthy of it now imperfect as you are right now yeah and in the expectation of 
expecting people to be G-rated right when they come to faith. You know, we got to let people be people and let them grow. We're, we're all at different places. Yeah, there's it, room, so much room, so much permission to be human. And that, and that right. in itself is just so difficult. <laughs> we can give yeah. ourselves a lot of breaks, I think. And there's a conformity. And this is an, uh, uh, we're not talking about free reign to go and be misbehave. It's just right. a freedom to grow. And there's a level of, in the conformity, I, I'm not ripping on the church. I go to church. I like church. It's an important thing. But um, the conformity sometimes that you, you feel like it's supposed to be, whether it's a film is supposed to be this way or you're supposed to dress this way, um, it, it takes away from the individuality of God created everybody different. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we say, well, Christianity looks like this. And this is probably before both of your time, but there was a Christian, he's still around, but his name's Steve Taylor. He was a Christian music artist and he was popular um, when I was younger. And he had a popular song called, I want to be a clone. And he was talking about as soon as you go down that church aisle, suddenly you've got to look like everybody else behind you. You got to dress like everybody in the pew and you look the same, you walk the same. And um, when in nature, even look how different everything is. Um, and how every snowflake's different, you know, yeah. how much more should we be different and not just we can all be in the same kingdom and have a connection to each other from the same faith, but we should all be different and then um, and enjoy the difference in people and not yeah. try to make them like us. Well, wow. that's even the analogy of the body of Christ so fits that where it's like, you know, I always joke that I'm the toenail when I'm on the body of Christ, you know, it's like, but <laughs> some people are this and some people are that. And, and God has convictions on different people's lives for different things and ministries that they're called to do. And, and honestly, in pastor's kid, that's one of the things I love about the story is that when she sort of has maybe a, a positive spiritual experience, I'm trying to be careful. It's not within um, the church she grew up in. It's not in kind of a branch of Christianity she knows. She has to get out of the country and get to a different culture. And in that culture, she's seeing a different side of this faith that she grew up in. And I think that that can be really beautiful sometimes is I think sometimes in our Western church, we get so used to our denomination or our box or our this or that. When like, you know, I've had a chance to go to Egypt and see what the church is like in Egypt. And I was a wreck. The entire time in Egypt, seeing how Christians interact, their expectation for God in prayer. And that's something that I, I hope we communicated in the film is that even there's one time they're like praying in a group and they bring Riley over and she's kind of standing there with her eyes open a little bit as everyone's like praying. But there's something so honest in that moment of her being like, what do I do with this? You know, how, yeah. how do I wrestle with this? So. I, this is random, but I brought a friend to church once when I was younger from high school. He had never been in his life. And um, people in our church would raise their hands and worship or whatever. And it seriously bothered him. And he finally asked me, why will somebody not answer their questions? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Wonderful. That is the cutest thing I've ever heard. How beautiful was that? <laughs> you know, the one thing that really stood out to me, um, I wouldn't have thought about it when I saw the film, but it reflects the film, but it was in the testimony video. Um, uh is the church didn't see my pain. Mm -hmm. That that hurts. Like to, even in your normal life, not just the church, just to overlook people's pain, which we do all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, we have the surface. Uh, how you doing? Doing great, and it kind of stays. Yeah, yeah, stays at that. 
Well, to even and if think, someone doesn't find it, if the church doesn't look, I mean, who else is going to? Right, right. I think for me too, with that line, it really opened my eyes. To this idea of we see, we you know, we often have people come up from, to the pulpit and share these beautiful testimonies, right, of like redemption, things they went through, addiction, all this stuff, and that can be very powerful, right, for the church to hear. But it opened my eyes to: Are we missing out on the peripheral of how did this affect their family? How did this affect their kids? How did this affect their spouse? How did this affect their mom? You know, was there, has their mom been praying for them for a long time? You know, it's like there's so much that goes on within each testimony that this touch, you know, these things touch. And so even in the story of Pastor's Kid, when she's talking about everyone's praising my mom for being this amazing conversion story and no one cares about the years of pain that I went through, you know, as she was getting to that point. Um, and that's what really hit me about, you know, and, and I don't necessarily feel like that's the church trying to be hypocritical or trying to, you know, put out something false, but it's just, you know, can we, can we start to have eyes that are more open to some of these things and, and care or ask the question, how are you really doing, even though this big change has happened, you know? So, yeah, no, so, so a couple, yeah, I mean, a couple of phrases have popped out, like not trying to rip on the church, not trying to do any of that no I, I actually don't think what that's what any of this conversation is i actually um think we we celebrate very much the power of the christian community and you know what it can do and the potential for it to change you know lives and to for to empower people to go out there themselves to be called to make make positive change it's just really i think the whole conversation is just hey we can do this better you know, yeah. and and I think that there's, you know, a lot of people are very receptive to like to, to notes. I think like, hey, hey, did you know this is happening? Mm -hmm. Hey, did you know people are feeling this way? And then I'm yeah. pretty sure if they knew, you know, they'd be, oh, oh, my goodness. You know, mm -hmm. there's so much there's a, a doorway now to walk through um, to, to, to be better. And, mm -hmm. you know, I just think there's just such opportunity there. For sure. Well, even with the film, I think the the hope for us is that if this film can connect with people and these stories, like I, I just, you know, I've been overwhelmed by, you know, I've said we've had a couple of comments be a little frustrated the language. And I would say, you know, maybe four, like nothing crazy. But the overwhelming response from people has been, this is reality. This is what's going on in real life. It's a time we need to tell, tell these types of stories. These things need to be out there. And so the beauty for me is like, if this film can connect, if it can succeed in some way, or or um, even just opens people's eyes from something that was missed, that there are so many stories. While I was working at Mariner's Church, I filmed over 200 testimony videos. And I'm just like, that one would be a powerful movie. That one would be a powerful R-rated movie. That one be, be... But the problem is, is we water down these stories, and so they feel... Um, a little more cliche or was it hallmarky you know and again and i think that's okay they, they can have there's a space for those types of films but i i just my heart of hearts is like i think people are ready for reality and they're ready to talk about these things and to see real true stories hungry um, for it really now mm -hmm. that we're seeing it and uh, it's so exciting um you know you there is an audience for it we thought maybe there was <laughs> but you clean up people's stories too much with the the Christian washcloth and you lose the story and you lose the relatability, mm -hmm. you know. And its impact, I think. Its impact. Mm -hmm. 100%. Uh, we're going to, well, let me, let me ask you this. Where do you guys, where do you see this? It's coming out March 15th. Where can people find it? 
So it will be uh, in theaters March 15th, 16th, and 17th. It's that main weekend. Um, we have 30 theaters across the country, between 20 and 30 theaters across the country, most of them AMCs. So you can go to pastorskidthemovie.com and see our Fandango. They should be up. Our time should be up next Wednesday um, for theaters. And so the, the whole push is that if we can get people to the theater that weekend um, and sell out tickets and do really well, they will expand our film to more and more areas. Um, so that's the goal is if we can fit, you know, hit that first weekend, March 15th, really hard um, and spread word of mouth. The, the joke that I've been saying is uh, church lady, bring your heathen college student uh, to come see this movie. And then heathen college student, bring your church lady, mom or grandma to this movie and sit down and watch it together and then get food afterwards and talk about it. So uh, that's been kind of my little joke going around. But yeah, March 15th is our weekend. It'll be all around the country. So uh, hit it up if, if you want to check out a, a faith film that's done a little differently. Yeah. All right. I appreciate your time, Ben and Courtney. It's great talking to you. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. Dude, thanks for having hey, ben, us. Ben, I'm going to close out with this, uh, with the actual testimony. Perfect. Of, uh, remind me what her name is. A Taylor. Taylor, whose testimony is what the movie's based after. All right. Thanks again, guys. Thank you. Thank you. My parents got divorced when I was really young and after that my mom and I moved around a lot and she got remarried again and then divorced again when my mom became a pastor. Everyone loved her and loved who she was. I had seen a mom who made mistakes and I had been hurt because of those mistakes and I felt alone. I didn't understand how she could be for who she was if I wasn't, if my pain wasn't being acknowledged. My mom had moved on with her life and so I was stuck in the pain and the hurt and everything that had happened to me when I was a kid. I wanted to do everything I could to make the church not choose me, to make my mom not choose me and to make my family not choose me. And so in high school that looked like skipping class and drinking and partying. The partying got worse and the drinking got worse and eventually I found myself in the middle of drug deals and God was nowhere to me. I didn't see God because God didn't see my pain and the church didn't see my pain when I was little. And so I didn't even think that I could turn to God or Jesus. And there was a point where I thought I was never going to talk to my mom again. And then she called me one day and asked me to go on a trip with her. And so I went I was on the other side of the world and I still felt alone and like no one cared. And the pastor was praying and he started praying for a girl from the United States who had been running from God's call on her life. She should turn back to God and leave everything behind and follow him. And as soon as he started speaking, my heart started pounding and I knew it was me. And I think for the first time I learned that God was a God who loved me so much that he would chase me halfway across the world to make sure that I was loved. I had to decide if I really had to live in my pain and be that person that I had been, or if I was going to follow Jesus and believe that he could heal me and that I wasn't my mistakes and that he saw me as more than that. And I chose to believe that Jesus could give me a new heart and heal the pain of my childhood. He saw me and he saw my pain and 
he loved me enough to follow me across the world and make sure that I knew that. Counted among the outlaws, he said, come, follow me. People from all walks of life since have been becoming outlaws.